0: Sign up today at butcherbox.com etm. I'm Shauna. you're listening to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast, and in this episode, we're diving deep into the role credit plays in you being able to achieve your money goals with Monique White, Head of Community at Self. Welcome to Everyone's Talking Money Podcast. I'm your host, Shauna Game. There's no judgment, no dumb questions, just smart conversations about you and your money. So come on in and grab a seat. Everyone is welcome here.
1: When you are working on your money goals, it's really important to prioritize credit. It should be the top priority. It's really the building block of your finances and it can unlock a lot of the goals that you do
0: have. So it turns out that credit actually has a lot to do with your ability to achieve your money goals. As Monique and I talk about, it is a complicated game, this thing called credit, but you don't have to worry. We're going to break it all down for you, no matter where you are on your money journey. You're going to learn what your credit score is comprised of, what to do if you uh, miss a payment. What are some of the alternative credit building methods? Who has access to your credit report? And once and for all, we're going to answer the popular question of whether you should or shouldn't cancel those unused credit cards. We're going to dish it all. So let's start talking. You know, there are a lot of things that I think really get in the way of us being able to achieve our money goals, right? We've got a high cost of living right now, we've got inflation cost of college, uh, medical debt, credit card debt, we could kind of go on and on <laughs> a oh. laundry list of not so good things. Uh, but you know, credit is is interesting because I think we all just sort of intuitively know that that credit and credit score is really important, but we don't quite understand the role that credit plays into our money goals, which is something we're gonna talk about today kind of in depth. So, you know, to just start us off, what is the what's the connection between credit and our money goals? How do those two things kind of work together? When you are working on your
1: money goals, it's really important to prioritize credit. It should be the top priority. It's really the building block of your finances and it can unlock a lot of the goals that you do have. So, whether it's purchasing a house or renting an apartment, buying a new car, or even things that protect yourself, like um, insurance, you know, trying to figure out how much to pay for that, that can really impact your financial goals and unlocked, unlock those things. So, you're pretty much uh, with credit, it's your purchasing power, You're trying to tell the credit bureaus, okay, if you give me this asset, I can pay it back in a timely manner and I'll pay it off in full. So
0: um, it's really important to prioritize that. So then on the flip side of that, like, how can credit work to uh, derail our goals? Uh, Because I feel like you know so many of us have so many different money goals that we're kind of you know marching towards and inevitably like something gets in there and kind of you know messes it up or it takes us a lot longer to achieve it so how does how does credit play a role in uh you know stopping us from being able to achieve those goals
1: yeah if you know it's it's interesting because you can start off in two different positions depending on where you are in life so whether you're younger and you just don't have sufficient credit there's just this lack of education behind it. We're not getting it at school. We're not getting it at home. So it's funny you say we know it's intuitively we do, but there's a lot of people that don't, right? Um, So then they get into their adult life and they're trying to rent their first apartment or get an auto loan and they can't, which is what happened to me, okay? I was 22 years old. I was trying to get my first car by myself without any help and I went into the dealership and they were like, "It's it's a hard no that's not happening. And at that time, I was so confused. And I went to go check my credit report for the first time. And I saw a credit card from my freshman year on there that I completely neglected. And I had no idea that it could impact my life for that long, because that was four years ago at that time. Um, So credit can be really unforgiving, especially if you neglect it. And now it's going to take, it took me longer to rebalance my finances and achieve you know, those financial goals, those bigger ticket items like an auto loan or even renting an apartment.
0: Yeah. You bring up something very important. I think I really want to talk about is the lack of access of credit, you know, particularly in the U S people do don't have access to this. There was a article that I was reading in the Washington post and it said that there are those credit invisibles, it called them, with oh. insufficient credit or no credit score, and that was roughly about forty-five million Americans. That's that's a lot of people, yeah. and also it said that credit insecurity affects about eighty million U.S. customers, uh, kind of every year. So, you know, d- tell us a little bit more about this this idea of, of of credit invisibility and how you know, just like in your story, um, you know a lot of people just don't have access to credit or even the education around credit score. Yeah, I mean,
1: there's a lack of education, right? You're not there's lack of financial literacy, but once you do determine like, hey, I do need credit, I need to start building my credit, they're not sure what to do. They're not sure where to go. Um and you know, a lot of people don't realize that you have to have essentially a little bit of money to start working on your credit. So a lot of people will start maybe using something like a secured card um, where it's like you put collateral down and you're proving to the credit bureaus that you are responsible and you can make on-time payments. The only thing is that you have to have a security deposit for that. And with the way that the world is right now, just everyday people, that's hard to come up with. So having a deposit for that can be really hard and they don't have access to that. Um, What I wish I would have known when I started working on my credit at that time is there's alternative ways to building credit. Um, And that's what honestly Self Financial is trying to do is create access um, to credit. So you can open something like a credit builder account um, where you can pretty much design your payment plan and you're building payments. uh, I'm sorry, you're building savings and credit at the same time. Um, And then there's rent reporting. You can get a bang for your buck. That's typically our biggest expense. Um, So you can report your rent. You can report your utilities and you can do that through self as well. There's just so many different options nowadays I wish I knew about. Um, So that kind of still goes hand
0: in hand with that lack of financial literacy. Tell me about secured credit cards. Um, that's something that I know a lot of um, friends have used over the years, like particularly when their credit score took a big dip, they went to a secured credit card. But you talked about, you know, you need to have some sort of collateral for that. What what does that look like? Like how much collateral?
1: Yeah, it really just depends on your credit score. So, um, you know, you'll apply regularly, you'll put your income, and then you'll put your um, you know your personal information, and then they say, okay, based off of this score that's coming up, you need to put either it's usually around two hundred to five hundred dollars down. It really just depends on your starting point. So, but again, that can be really difficult coming up with that, especially if things are tight in your budget.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you you know go to the grocery store and you need to like feed yourself or feed your family, exactly. <laughs> like, right. All the when money are you money to prioritize? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, you know, and i it's it's just so crazy because it's it's one of these like weird systems. Um I used to teach financial literacy at a university in Los Angeles, and all the students would be like, Wait a minute, so basically, what you're saying is like you need credit to get credit and, like, <laughs> how, how, like it just feels kind of like this vicious cycle for a I lot know. of people of like, it's so unfair and yet mm-hmm. it's, it's you know, it's like this three-digit number that is attached to us that just kind of determines everything. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, there's just like, you know, growing up and depending on the community that you grow up with, a lot of older people I know in the Black community too, like we try to avoid credit. So it's like, there's just this this fear that comes with, getting debt or just like being in the system, mistrusting financial uh, institutions, like it's so much more emotion and like thoughts behind it. So it's just, it's really sad to see.
0: I mean, this is probably like the crystal ball question that neither one of us really have an answer to, but curious Mm -hmm. your thoughts, you know, how do we create more like economic equity and inclusion, particularly around credit for, for everyone? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that we need to
1: hit the community hard. Um, I think if we start off, um, like in maybe school systems, you know, I know that a lot of people are fighting for legislation to have that as a mandatory class, you know, before graduating. We don't want them to go into the adult world after high school and just be completely lost. People are tackling, they're signing up for student loans and then after graduation, they're not even sure how much they completely took out. They're not understanding that that's impacting their credit. So I think it really starts at the school level. Um, but at the adult level too, just, I mean, there has to be a trust with financial institutions and um, and really embedding the importance of credit and how it can build help you build wealth. It can help you unlock those financial goals that
0: you have. So let's, Let's do some of the the kind of one-on-one talk around credit and credit score. I think it's always good to, if you're listening and you think like, oh, I know this stuff, I think it's always good to review it. And it's it's definitely, uh, every time I talk about this with an expert, it's like, oh, I learned something new as well. So let's just start off with, you know, what is our credit comprised of? Mm-hmm. Um, so your credit is
1: comprised of five different factors. So the biggest factor is your, uh, payment history. That's 35% of your score, making sure that you pay on time. And then 30% is your credit utilization. Um, that's going to be for revolving debt. So money that you can pay into and keep using, pay into and keep using like a credit card or a line of credit, something like that. The rule of thumb is that you don't want to use more than 30% of your available credit. So if you add up all the credit cards that you have and your credit limit is $1,000, you don't want to go above 30%. So that would be about $300. After you go beyond that 30% threshold, you're going to see your credit impacted. Um, The next biggest factor is your credit mix. So um, you're seeing... They want to see how you manage different types of credit. So it could be personal loans, credit cards, home loans, auto loans, things like that. Um, and then the next two factors will be your credit inquiries um, and then the age of your accounts, which is something you don't have control over. It's really when you open your first trade line. Um, so it's five different factors. They all come up to you know 100%, but the biggest factors that you want to focus on are your on-time payments as well as your credit utilization.
0: So if you aren't happy with your credit score, those those two factors would probably be the place that you would want to like dive into and like figure out, you know, am I paying on time? And is, you know, what is my my utilization? Where am I, where am I currently at, right? Absolutely. I think if you're not sure where to start, just start paying on time.
1: Like that's the biggest thing that you can do. Um, because it is 35% of your score. And no matter what. Everything else will, you know, line up, but just start making sure that you get those on-time payments so that you can stir away from, you know, any late payments you may have on your report.
0: And what if you've had a late payment, Um, you know, what payment or a couple of payments? Is there a way to like counteract that? Or is it just like a matter of time of, well, you got to just keep making X amount of kind of on-time payments until your credit score can rebound a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think if you have a hardship and you have a couple uh, late payments, you could go to your lender, go to the credit card company and say, you know, I've been a a solid customer the past few years. I've never had missed payments. They could possibly remove those for you. But if you're like just kind of knee deep in the late payment, you do have to. It's very unforgiving, like it's super unforgiving and you just kind of have to make up for that. Your report is usually about seven years of payment history. So it's it's a lot of work
0: that you have to put into it. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited, and it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters, and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to me.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. I used to tell people that credit's like really interesting because it could take Quite a long time for you to get a good credit score, but you have just like one little blip yeah. or like one little thing, and then it's just or like, like nope. you're going, you know, it like comes crashing down. It's like, wait a minute, how yeah. does that happen? Right. We're and taking then it's it back. The slow climb to get yeah. like back up there, it's just kind of crazy, you know, how that works. And I think it's that that makes it ever more important to like really understand things like paying on time and and utilization. And since those are the you know largest pieces of the score, like focus there, do do those things. Um, all right. So there are so many different like credit models out there, you know, whether you're buying a car, or you're buying a house, or you're trying to get a credit card, like everyone's using the different kind of scale. Um, I don't even know all of the different models. It feels like they're always coming out with a new one, but, you know, just sort of like genuinely speaking, um, is there a like a good or a not so good credit score? Like where are we sort of aiming to be at? Mm-hmm.
1: So the lowest you can get is 300 and the highest score that you can get is 850. Um, when I was a financial coach, I tried to get my clients to the 700 club. That's typically when you get the best interest rates um, and you're not gonna be denied for too much, you know, at that score, as long as you have the income to back it. So I say shoot for 700 um, and then eventually, you know, try to get the highest score that you can get.
0: Does it make a difference? Like, does it make a difference if you're, you know, 850 versus, I don't know, 750? Like, what what sort of, um, I guess I should ask, what sort of difference does it make?
1: Yeah, like, why should I keep going? I, You know, the higher your score is, the best interest rates that you're going to get when it comes to lending. I mean... When your score is in the 800, they're like, wow, they got it. They're responsible. They will pay us back on time. We know we're going to get our money.
0: So you're going to get the best possible interest rates. So we've already talked about a couple of things, but just curious, are there any other things that can impact your credit score that you just, you might not normally think about? Like we went through those five factors, but is there anything else that kind of comes into play? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think when people are making just the minimum payment, let's say they have balances on their credit cards, um, you know, although great, you're paying on time, You're that's 35% of your score, you're getting that credit. Um, we want to make sure that you're making additional payments so that you're not carrying any balances over. Not only are you paying interest on that, which is costing you more money in the long run, but it could affect your utilization, um, which is impacting your score. So, um, you know, just making the minimum and not paying extra is something that could impact them that they're not really realizing. Um, Constantly applying for new credit could be another one too, which is really hard. Um, You know, when people are on their credit journey, they get really eager and they're wanting to open new cards and things like that. Um, what, you know, they only get dinged a few points when they open a new trade line. Um, but if you're not getting approved and you're constantly applying for new credit, that could impact your score. Um, especially if you're not getting approved and it could be a red flag to the lenders. They're saying what's going on in their personal, you know, financial or their personal finances. Why are they constantly applying for more money? Is there something going on there? So, um, that's not, that's something that a lot of people don't realize.
0: And what about, you know, some of the, Sort of myths around credit. Like I know, you know, one of them is, uh, I don't know. Tell me if this is true or false. Don't don't close out um, a credit card that you have. Like even if the balance is zero, like should you do that? Should you not do it? Does it matter? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think that's a myth.
1: Definitely don't close any cards. That's why it's really important to be strategic and like really careful about what you're opening and. Um, when you're starting on your credit journey, I mentioned like people are just so excited. They're getting offers, their scores going up, but you're not noticing that these cards have annual fees and really high interest rates and things like that. And then they end up closing them, but they're doing great on their credit journey, but you've just lost some of that credit history that you had. So, um, and that is impacting 15% of your score, especially if you're about to buy a new home that's like the number one rule they say do not close any cards that's going to impact the age of your accounts it's
0: so interesting cuz it goes back to like you would normally think like oh if i like especially if i paid off debt and i'm i like i feel really proud of myself for for reaching that milestone like i'm just going to go and you know cancel my credit card so i don't get back in debt and then you know you do that and then all of a sudden it's like wait a minute now my score just dropped a lot and I, you know, from paying off my debt and closing my cards. And it's, it just, sometimes I think credit feels like such a game. And I think, you know, you were, you were talking about, you know, black communities as well. And I would, I would think that, you know, that's one of the reasons that a lot of people feel so nervous about credit Mm -hmm. because it does, it feels like sort of this weird, weird thing that like somebody out there is determining the factors for me. And I have to kind of like play this game
1: it can be really discouraging, um, especially if you don't know how it works and like keeping up with credit trends and stuff, there's something that's always, always changing. Something that's always going on. So if it's like difficult for me to keep up and understand, I can only imagine like someone that's just new to their credit journey and they're trying to figure out what's going on. So I could see how someone would feel that way.
0: So you mentioned like this kind of constant change. Um, you know, I have a couple of friends who were just, they have, uh, an app where they check their credit score and they are just like every morning they open this app to just see like, what's my score? Is my score higher or lower? Or, you know, I had a friend that used to text me like, my score went up two points. And then the next day he'd be like, it went down three points. and oh. then, You know, it went up five points. And mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know, so how, like, how often do we need to be checking our credit, like staying on top of our credit? Like, are are there any, Sort of like action steps that you can give us on, on, you know, what we need to pay attention to and maybe what we don't need to like obsess over. Yeah.
1: I think when I started, I was like that too. I, I just was completely obsessed with my score and any change that it made. I was like, what's going on? Um, but I think now that I'm pretty confident with my finances, I do like financial check-ins. So like every quarter, I'll look at my budget, I'll review my credit report. Um, but that's where I'm at because I do feel confident. But I think if you're just starting out, checking it maybe once a month would be helpful. You can actually do that um, at annualcreditreport.com. So before the pandemic, it used to be once every 12 months, but now it's weekly, which is amazing. So people can not only, you know, monitor their credit, they're also protecting their identity because you're making really? sure- Really? I
0: didn't, I didn't know that. That was now once a month. That's incredible. I'm sorry. It's weekly. You can weekly, check it weekly. Yes, weekly. weekly. Sorry, yeah. weekly. I mean, still, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, because I, I was going to ask you, like, how many people are- um, you know, having credit declines from um, you know fraud on their account, and and especially, I think a lot of times if we don't we don't look at our credit report, and so there might be something kind of lurking there that you're not even aware of.
1: Yeah, I think when people think of fraud, they might tie it to their like debit card in their bank account. So that's something that they're focused on. Um, but you definitely need to check your credit report. There's so many little things like misspelling of your names or your social is different or your address changed on there. That can be a red flag and kind of say, hey, something, something funny is going on. Um, so it's really important to check your report. I know during the holidays, we kind of that is the big time when people are, you know,
0: (laughs) it's it's getting bad. It's pretty
1: bad. People are shopping. They're not really worried about their credit at that moment. And that's just like the perfect time. So making sure you stay on top of that weekly, take advantage of it, especially it's for the three credit bureaus. It's not just one. So I would take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, when I was um, teaching a couple of years ago, I had a student in my class and like we would, you know, go over credit score and I, you know, made everybody kind of like pull their credit report because they'd never done that before. And a student came back to me and just like wide eyed. He was like, oh my gosh, you know, Professor Sean, like, look at this. And somebody had actually bought a house in another Whoa. state <sighs> with, with their credit and their uh, use their, you know, social security number and defaulted on the house. And, you know, he would have never, I don't know how many years it would have been until he actually like realizes probably until he went out to try and like buy something. But, you know, we spent about like six months trying to get that, you know, taken off his credit report and, and fixed. And that's a really extreme story. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, things happen. And um, especially now, right, it's just so easy for people to, to get your information. I think that's
1: like another discouraging part of credit is when something happens that's complete, completely out of your control. Now you have to take time out of your life. People have families, they're caretakers, they have jobs and things like that. And now you have to call and you know do police reports and try to get things off your report. And then that becomes a stressor for them. Um, so it's just like another aspect of it.
0: So you talked about some of these like alternative credit building methods. So we we talked about secured credit cards. Walk me through, can you dive a little bit deeper into like some of the other methods and like why because why we might choose one of those methods over another? Mhm. Um, if you are not in a position to save for a secure
1: credit card, I think a lot of people are eager to just, you know, tackle on a credit card. That's what you need for credit, right? Um, there are alternative ways to do that. So you could do something like a credit builder loan where you're giving a certain amount of money and you can't unlock it until the end of your your term. Um, but that way you're able to save and build credit at the same time. So like self's credit builder account, you can pick the payment plan that you want. It depends on your schedule. So we're meeting you where you're at. Um, And that way you're able to have your on-time payments reported. And then at the end, you can either unlock your savings or you can use that towards a secured credit card, something that would have taken you months to save, right? So it's just amazing. Um, If you're not in a position for that too, because remember you need to check your budget, make sure you can afford it. And that's just not an option for people sometimes. You can use the biggest item that you pay for like your rent your phone, your utilities, and you can have that reported to the credit bureaus. Um, that's another option through self, um, or you can go through like your landlord. That might be something that they offer. Um, and it's usually for a small fee. Um, it's a su- subscription service, and you can cancel at any time, but you're getting the bang for your buck. You're, you're building your credit. And typically, they only report on time payments, which is awesome. When I was a coach, there was miss around rent and reporting, and I really didn't encourage my clients to do that because I didn't want, you know, what if you're late? You know, what if hardships happen? But it reports your on-time payment. So you're getting credit for that. It's amazing.
0: When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What about uh being added as like an authorized user? I know that like I've read a couple of articles later lately that I've talked about um you know even if you have you have a kid um you know maybe adding them on to like a credit card you know age 16 or age 18 don't mm-hmm. give them the card obviously but <laughs> you know adding them on does that do a lot for for helping you build a credit score or even like rebuild yeah i think that's an amazing way to build credit um
1: i know If you're new to the country and you have maybe like a close friend or family, you're not sure how to start building credit, that could be a great way to do that. If you're younger, you don't want to take on the responsibility of a credit card, but you want that credit, you know, maybe asking a family relative or your parent to do something like that. So essentially what's happening is everything on that activity of that card is going to be mirrored on your credit report. So if you are added as an authorized user, it's a thousand dollar credit limit. That's going to show on your credit report too. Um, the only thing is that you have to make sure that you choose someone that's financially responsible because if they're late, that's going to reflect on your report as well. Or if they're going over their utilization, that's going to be reported too. So you have to be really careful with that. But it's another alternative to building credit.
0: You bring up a really good point too. I want to ask you about you know if you're if you're new to the country, you moved in the country, and like you're just you know starting to start your life here, do you follow these same sort of tips and techniques you're talking about? Or would you use a different strategy to try to start building some sort of credit?
1: Absolutely. I think it's important to first educate yourself about how credit works. I mean, there's people that, you know, a credit system is the U S credit system is completely different from what other countries are doing. Um, I used to work for a nonprofit called operation hope where we did free financial coaching. And I used to have a lot of immigrant clients, um, that were new and we just went first went into credit and money management. So first it's important to know how it works. Um, and then because you do have insufficient credit at that time, I think it's important to either do like a credit builder loan or a secured card. So you're going to do the exact same thing as someone that's brand new to credit. Um, The only thing is that you you might have a little leg up because now you have that education, right? You're like, I feel like when you said it's intuitive, like, yeah, we all grew up kind of knowing about credit. But you don't know how important it is, and you don't know the steps to do. But if you're new to the country, you're like, "Wow, I really need this to get an apartment, to do these things." So now you can be even more educated. So take advantage of that.
0: And how long does it take to, like, how long does it take to build credit?
1: Yeah, um, it really just depends on where you're starting from. If you have a low score and you have a lot of debt, it could take sometimes, you know, a year or two to really go up to the score that you need. If you're starting brand new um, and you have just no credit profile, um, usually about three to six months, you'll start seeing that. Well, your activity is going to be reported, you know, as soon as the 30 days is up. Um, But as far as getting to the score that you want, it could take about three to six months of that.
0: That's not too long. I mean, yeah. if you if you know if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, it's not too long. And I, <laughs> it feels I like long the, to them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it can feel really, really, especially anything around like money. It just feels like oh my gosh, like forever. I'm forever at this salary or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, tell me about. I know there are three different credit bureaus, and I know that often you can have a different score at each of those bureaus. Why does that happen?
1: Yeah. So the main three credit bureaus are Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. Each credit bureau is equally important. There isn't one that's you know more important than the other. What happens is sometimes your trade lines don't get reported to all three credit bureaus. So if you have a credit card, it could just go to TransUnion or it could go to all three. It really just depends. Um, so that's why your score may look different from each credit bureau because not all trade lines are being reported to all three. So you're having different things weighted. You know, um, maybe one credit report has just a credit card and a loan. Maybe the other has everything. So you're going to see different scores for that. Um, I think the most important thing I I could see how someone could get caught up in that is just making sure that you're financially healthy. You're making your on time payments. You're keeping your utilization below thirty percent because then that will eventually reflect on all three reports.
0: So tell me also, um, who has access to a credit report? I know we can check our credit report, but who else can see what our credit score is? Because it feels like very, you know, sometimes it feels like you're standing there, you know, naked in front of someone when you're like talking about credit score, but who has access to it? whoever you give
1: access to, you do have to sign, um, you know, credit authorizations. You do have to authorize that. So, um, you know, I can't just go check someone's credit report. Um, you do have to get, give authorization to that. So you want to make sure that when you do get those type of forms, you read it through carefully. Um, sometimes they'll even say, Hey, we have access to your credit. We can check it as often as we want. Like, It can get very detailed. I I understand. But you do want to, you know, protect yourself. And if you do see things on your credit report that don't make sense, at least you know, hey, I gave this lender authorization. I can go there and ask them what's going on.
0: What about employers? Like, can they see our credit report? They do have to let you know in advance.
1: Um I'll, some employers don't check their credit, um, but a lot do. So that's another reason why credit is important because that could prohibit you from certain
0: employment opportunities. Mm. So like they might be making a judgment or something based on exactly. your credit. Your yeah, credit I know wow.
1: I know with certain like government agencies they check your credit and if you're like filing for bankruptcy, they won't hire you. So um, I I don't know why they're associating with the work with the credit score, but um, it it's it's like you know he says it's a game, it's a part of the game, and I mean we have to just use it as a tool and, to get what we want.
0: Yeah, again, like tying the loop back to uh, credit <laughs> and and our money goals. Yeah, like like just how you know how important it is. So what if we what if we check our credit report? and like we notice there's an error, Either there's an account that isn't ours or maybe mm-hmm. a number seems off, or yeah. like you said, name could be spelled wrong. Like what do we do? Mm-hmm.
1: I say if you see something on your credit report that you don't recognize, immediately contact the credit bureaus. Um I would also with the credit bureaus, maybe put some type of freeze on there until you get it figured out um, because someone does have access to your credit. Um, If you see something that's wrong with your lender, like maybe a late payment or the balance doesn't look right, I would just go straight to the lender. Sometimes it just happens and then they'll fix it. Now, if they refuse to fix it after proof of like payment, you know you you made an on-time payment, you know the balance is not right, and they're still not contacting the credit bureaus to make that change, there are certain protections that you have, um, like the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, um, and you can make actually report that to the FTC, which is the Federal Trade uh, Bureau Commission Bureau. You can go to, go to FTC.gov, make that complaint, um, and then they'll have you know help you out in that situation.
0: So the most important thing is if you see something on your credit report, say something, do something, about it. don't just let it kind of exist there out of fear. Because I I know that a lot of people have just this, you know, huge fear of of dealing with anybody when it, when it comes to money, let alone like a credit bureau feels, can feel really scary. Yeah. Um, I say the longer you neglect it, the
1: more of a liability it's going to be. If you stay on top of it, you know, they're more inclined to help you.
0: So you shared a little bit about your own money journey and your, your credit journey. Are there any like money lessons that you learned during that time period that you really wish you would have known that you, that you really want other people to know?
1: I think the biggest takeaway from what I've learned in my 20s about money and like my own credit journey is that it's never too early to ask for help. Um, I thought I had to be like in a certain financial position to start making a plan for myself financially. And that was the perfect time to make a plan is when I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Um, So there's just so many resources nowadays where you can get, you know, coaching and advice. There's so much educational content. There's podcasts, you know, so like do a deep dive, you know, maybe take a walk and and listen to a podcast or go on your socials um, and find you know, um, companies that provide financial education and just really just go into that so you know what to do. Um, but like I say, if you need more help, don't be afraid to ask. Um, I know there's a lot of shame around money and credit and you feel like as an adult, you're supposed to know these things, but that's simply not true. You were never taught that. So um, you know, start asking for help, maybe get some financial coaching and take advantage of, you know, those accessible credit building tools. I know we're like I said, when I started, I just was like secured card, secured card, secure card. But no, you could do a credit builder account. You can report your phone bill. You can do all these different things to start building your credit and just start, start, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's better, you know, just because you're doing one thing now, you feel like it's all or nothing, but you're doing better than what you did, you know, a month or two ago by starting. So
0: please do you that. Talk, you talked about shame. I just did a recent episode where we were talking about, you know, kind of how shame shows up um, in money for people. And mm. you know, how did you how did you work through that that piece? And what would you tell someone else who's maybe like, okay, Monique, I understand I gotta like start taking steps, but like I still feel kind of stuck in you know, whether it's, it's shame that maybe somebody else has put on you or that Mm -hmm. you've just sort of, you know, picked up, or maybe you feel again, like you should know these things. Like I should know these things. So I feel really shameful, like asking for help. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that you
1: can do to overcome that is to monitor your progress. So making something like an action plan and you you're just honest with yourself. Okay. I have this much debt um, I need this much savings. I need to do these steps so that you can check them off your to-do list. And no matter what, everyone's financial situation is going to be different. But at least you know you're making progress in your own area. And you're doing better than what you were doing last year or a week before that. So monitoring your progress. It's like working out, right? You take your before pictures. And then after three months of working, you take your after. And you see the progress. You, now, other people might not see it first. But you're seeing it, right? So making some
0: type of action plan will help you overcome that. There's another, I don't know if this is a myth. This is maybe just like a true or false question I want to ask you. But there's a lot of talk out there about, like, let's say my uh, credit card payment is due on like the 30th of the month. Should I wait until the 30th to pay that payment? Or should I break that up into like a couple of different payments through the month? Like, is there any logic behind uh, how, how we pay our credit card bills and then how that impacts our credit score? I am seeing discussions around,
1: like, should you wait for the statement date to close and make a payment? Should you wait for the due date? I think the biggest thing that you should focus on is making on-time payments on your due date. Now, if you have some type of system in your budget where you get, you know, people get paid different, like weeklies, uh, semi-monthly, every other week, whatever the case is. If that helps you stay on top of your payment where you have to split it up, do that. But focus on the due date focus on your utilization and make your on-time payment. That's the biggest thing that you could do.
0: And where do you think we're headed in the future in terms of credit? Like I mentioned, I, I feel like there's always a new sort of credit model that's out there. It's like, you know, when I look at a score, it's like, well, are they using this model or that model or what model? Like I can't even keep up with it, but you know, how do we, how do we best prepare ourselves you know, for the future and for any kind of future credit changes that you might foresee down the line. Mm-hmm.
1: The, the best thing you t- can do to protect yourself or fi- like financially... Recession proof, maybe I know there's talks of that, is to just have a a bird's eye view of your finances, because no matter what's going on with credit, you want to make sure that your own financial situation is strong. So making sure you have that emergency savings, Uh, it's recommended to have three to six months worth of savings. Um, knowing where you stand in your credit. Now you have access to your credit reports every week. So even if the feds keep raising it, you know where you stand. Um, And then paying off any high interest debt is really important too, because when those interest rates raise, so do your credit cards. Um, And that's just going to cost more money. So making sure your savings are strong, paying off high interest debt and knowing where you stand in your score.
0: We've we've talked about a lot. Is there anything that we're missing? Like is there anything that that you think is like really important to talk about with credit that we just haven't touched on yet?
1: Um no, not really. I think we covered everything. I just want people to know like this isn't easy. You know, like creating a budget and working on your credit is not easy. So like pat yourself on the back for not only listening to, you know, like this podcast or doing any kind of research behind it, getting started like Like, pat yourself on the back for that,
0: because none of this is easy. Even I forget to check my credit report from time to time, but Monique really reaffirmed why I've got to get on that, and you should too. Look, I know credit and credit building, it can be daunting and scary, but it is a necessary part of your financial journey. And Monique, she just gave you the toolkit to start building a score that makes you feel proud and helps you move closer to your money goals. If you want to learn more or connect with Monique, you can go to self.inc. You can check out all their information about credit and credit scores. Check out their blogs. They've got a ton of great information for you. If you enjoyed this episode, you know what to do. Share it with a friend right now. Help them get in on all of this credit score goodness. As always, you can head to the show notes for all the links to my episode guests, as well as the sponsors who make this show possible. I'll see you back here in a few days, my friend, for a brand new episode.